Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Welcome to Genesee Valley Church's online podcast. GVC is a non-denominational church in Flint, Michigan, and our mission is simple. To love God, love people, and love life. I know that you will be blessed by the message and the words that God has for you today. Now, here's Pastor Tony. Come on, anybody remember that theme song? You remember that? Come on, help me out. That was that was the Partridge family, right? The Waltons, Little House on the Prairie. What was it? The Brady Bunch. Yes. Oh, come on. Don't you remember the Brady Bunch? Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. Come on. Anybody remember those iconic uh, uh, stories of different scenarios, you know, where she got hit in the face with a football and she had this fat nose? You remember that one? Come on. I think I'm talking to an older generation that, that remembers that. Come on. Wave your hand at me. <laughs> remember that, right? Come on. We look at those programs and I don't know if, if you grew up on those, but it was one of those programs that you just enjoyed because it seemed like as though it was lighthearted. It really constituted this ideal of family, uh, of just uh, unity within the home, even though they were uh, really a divided home of, of uh, two separate families coming together. But they seemed to make it work, didn't they? And, and therefore, again, we look at just the, the model of their life, and, and it seemed like it didn't matter what scenario, what problem, what struggle they were going through, within a 30-minute program, they always got it figured out. Man, wouldn't you be glad if life was as quickly to, to get worked out and smoothed out in 30 minutes? Wouldn't that be great? But now let me ask you this. How many of you really think that that was a realistic portrayal of the ideal family? How many? I mean, you, you think about it. Uh, we've we've looked at them and we, we've used them as a model many times as to just the feel good, what family represents. And obviously there were some wonderful dynamics in that. But I don't know about you, but one of the things that always stood out to me was just the size of their home. Has anybody else ever uh, thought about that? It's like, wow, they got a huge house. Do you remember that? I mean, there was the big great room area, and there was the kitchen, and then the little den off to the side, and then dad had his office, and then mom and dad had their room, and then the kids were upstairs. I mean, that was a big house. I think, wow, I wish I had a house that big. And everybody wanted that big long stair rail that went off the side, right? But that's not really realistic with most people's homes. Anybody remember Alice? Man, wouldn't it be great to have Alice? I mean, just to cook for you, to clean for you, to, to, to help you. Good old Alice, come on, man. Everybody needs an Alice. But how many of us in middle America really have an Alice? Welcome to my Alice. Let me, let me introduce you to, this is Alice. She does an amazing job. But once again, that's not realistic in to, to today's modern day culture, is it? But what is? Let's begin to look at God's desire of what the model life can look like and what that entails and how we get there. And so today we're going to talk about the stewards and we're going to meet the stewards. And, and, and oftentimes when we think about our lives as to why we find ourselves getting discontented is because we always find ourselves comparing our lives with somebody else. Have you ever noticed that? 
The biggest reasons that we get discontented in life, why we'll struggle with things, why we get depressed and upset, is because we compare our lives to somebody else. Am I talking to the right crowd today? Now, I know we're not supposed to do that, but all of us do. Even as a pastor, we compare. You know, I'll get and talk to my uh, my, my pastor friends and, and, and we're like, hey, how was church? Oh, man, church was packed out, man. We had so many people. We didn't have enough room. How was your Sunday? Well, man, today was really slim picking. A lot of people were out of town today. And what do you do? You start comparing yourself to somebody else and it starts to make you feel bad, right? Or somebody else has some things. Somebody else is living a certain lifestyle, has a certain kind of house, or whatever it might be. And we start to compare our life, and as a result, it allows discontentment to come in. Well, once again, we're going to meet the stewards today and see how it is that they live a life and how they can be an example to us. Now, I don't know about you, but I desire to be fit. Anybody desire to be fit? Now... It just kind of goes along with this idea of where we're headed, kind of just the example of it. But uh, I've always desired to be fit. I've always thought, you know, one of these, <laughs> one of these days, I'm going to have the physique and I'm going to have the V, you know, this the, the barrel chest and the big arms. And I've got, I've got bulk now. It's just not in the right places anymore. You know, I was talking with Adrian last week, and he's like. Yeah, man, it's running a marathon up in Traverse City this weekend, dude. I'm like, really? I thought I liked you, but now I'm not quite so sure. <laughs> but, you know, I've always desired to have that physique and, and, and be fit. But now I'm starting to get to that place where I think maybe I can just settle for fit-ish. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's kind of fit-ish. And, and I actually saw a definition of what fit-ish means. It's semi-fit, kind of fit, someone who likes the idea of being fit, but equally likes food. And I'm like, that is me. That is, I like the idea of being fit, but I equally like food. And man, I'm telling you what, it just is, is a challenge, isn't it? But what does it take to be fit? It takes discipline, doesn't it? It takes us being a steward of our body. And so therefore, for us to truly live a life that God desires for us, we've got to become the family of the stewards. To learn how to steward this life. And for that matter, we can... Examine other people's lives and be experts. Did you ever notice that? And for whatever reason, that always that always just amazes me. And actually, it's actually a scriptural reference in Romans chapter twelve, verse two, I believe it is. It says that you're real eager and easily able to judge somebody else, but the things you judge somebody else is the things that really you struggle with yourself. But have you ever noticed that about you? And maybe it's just me, but I am an expert. And marriage. I am an expert in raising kids. When people are going through stuff in their lives and it just seems like all hell's breaking loose, I'm an expert at giving advice. And you step back and you look at them and think, if you would only do. Right? Well, I could tell you what your problem is. Well, you don't have enough money? Well, duh, stop spending it. 
you want to get fit, stop putting Twinkies in your face. I mean, I'm an expert. But isn't it interesting how we're such a good expert at telling other people how to fix their lives? But yet, right on the other hand, when we look in the mirror, we have such a difficult time in getting our own lives together. Come on, am I talking to anybody else but me? And I believe that some of my biggest frustrations about me in my life is that I know the answers. I know the fixes. I know how to turn things around. I know what will, what will make things different, but that just simply means i got to do them. Right? And that means I've got a purpose to be a steward in my life. That is the answer to those questions of finding ourselves having the life that we desire. The answer is becoming a steward. Here's, here's a definition of what a steward is. Homes that have stewardship in their home are the ones that are the most successful. If you're looking at somebody's life and you're admiring their life, whether it's their relationship with God, whether it's their financial stability, whether it's their family structure, if they've not put, put it on a credit card, if they're not in debt, if they're not just like everybody else putting on the facade, but if they've really gained what they have and found their success and their happiness through hard work, the reason that we look at them and admire what they have and what they do and and how they interact with people is because they've learned how to be good stewards. So once again, we're going to meet the stewards in this series. The definition of steward is this. A man employed... In great families to manage the domestic concerns. Number two, it's an officer of state as Lord High Steward, a steward of the household. And then the third one is, or a third definition is, in scripture or in theology, it's a minister of Christ whose duty is to dispense the provision of the gospel, to preach the doctrine and to administer its ordinances. So the Bible tells us that there is a stewardship of this gospel. The word gospel means good news. Come on, the gospel always brings good news. And God says as believers, we've got to learn how to steward this in our lives. But then the definition of steward is to recognize that there is a household that we must steward Or manage. That the steward is given a position of of esteem to run the affairs of life. And so, when it comes to you and me, when it comes to us having the desire to experience more in life, and for the sake of what we're going to talk about today, experiencing joy, it's up to you to steward your own happiness. It's up to you to steward your own joy. And isn't it interesting how so many people look to other things to give them joy? Look to a person. If I only had that person. If I only had a man. If I only had a woman. Boy, my life would be complete. Well, if you're a mess, then the only thing you're going to attract is a mess. And so you've got two messes coming together making a bigger mess. So that other person doesn't necessarily make you complete. Well, if I just had more money, if I just had things, that would give me a satisfaction or a feeling of happiness and joy. 
Now, I don't know if, if you're like I am. I don't know that I necessarily say this to many people, but I, I like to shop. I, there, I, there's, there is endorphins that go off in my brain when I go shopping. I mean, I enjoy it. I mean, there's so many. My wife, she'll go shopping for the kids. You know, I, I went shopping for me, but I found this on sale for the kids. Isn't that just so cute? I'm like, yeah, it's great. I don't know that I've ever went once shopping for myself and got distracted buying for the kids. No, in fact, I think I got distracted buying for me more. <laughs> like, wow, this is on sale. You know what I mean? And there is an instant gratification of getting something new, but it never gives you fulfillment. Amen? You know, there's a lot of guys and girls, for that matter, in here that have gotten into, like, shooting guns. And uh, just in the last few years, I've gotten into shooting guns myself and starting to collect a few. And, and my wife always tells me, you, you're not getting any more guns. And then I, I always talk with guys in the hypotheticals. I was researching this gun, and I found it on sale. I mean, not that I'm looking to buy it or anything, but, you know... Right. My wife says, we got a kitchen table that I want if you're going to buy something. But my point is this, is that I, I, I've researched some guns that I've bought, got excited about them, did the, the legwork to find out what I wanted. And I tried different ones to see if I like this one or I like that one. And I finally got that gun and I'm like, hey, I got my gun. Feeling like I'm dirty hairy, you know. And now that I got that gun, well, what are you going to do with the gun? Well, you put it in a safe and you put it in a safe place. And it sits there. And then you might go shoot it once in a while with some friends. But I mean, once you shot it once, you shot it twice. After you've gone through a box of shells, well, you spent 20 bucks and all right, now what? <laughs> there you go, five more. But my point is this, as excited as I got about that gun, it was short-lived in the fulfillment of it. Are you hearing me this morning? Because all of us are looking to things to bring us satisfaction. But it's up to us to steward, to steward our joy and our happiness. Now listen to this. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 and 20, it says, Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? For you were bought at a price, therefore glorify God in your bodies and in your spirit, which are God's. Now I want to bring this to your attention. Because a steward is one that manages the household of somebody else. He manages the affairs of somebody else's things. And those of us that are children of God, that, are, that have received Christ into our life... That just told me that I am no longer my own. That I have been bought with a price and therefore I belong to God. So when it comes to my stewardship of my own joy, when it comes to my household, my family, my wife, my children, that means that my wife is no longer just her own. My wife is no longer just my wife. That's my God's daughter. Those children that God has blessed me with, those are His. And God has given me the responsibility to steward my life that belongs to Him. 
It's my job to make sure that I make this guy happy or learn how to have joy in his life because this life isn't just mine anymore. I've got a responsibility to God to make sure this guy lives life having joy for the journey. See, many times we let life dictate to us as to what it's going to do, what it's going to be, what we're going to have, where we're going to go. And God says, why don't you choose? Why don't you trust me and you make some decisions to become part of the steward family and steward this life rather than just letting life happen? Come on, are you here this morning? God's given it to you and to me to make sure that me, that you are happy. See, my wife is not going to be able to make me happy. She might make me smile. She might give me some gratification of, 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 of happiness and emotions. But my joy is not found in her. Joy comes from another place. So how do I steward this life? How do I steward my life, the life of my family, to make sure that we are a family that is full of joy? Once again, the world at best seeks happiness. But it's in, it's, it, it pales in comparison to the life of joy that God desires. Happiness is the best that anybody apart from Christ can ever desire to experience. But for those who are followers of Christ, God says there is a higher experience and it's joy. You can maintain and steward a life to where you can begin to have joy in your life. Now, I don't know your church background. But there were songs that we used to sing several years back. It says, I've got joy, 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 joy. Do you have joy? There was another song that we sang. It says, this joy that I have, the world didn't give it to me. The world didn't give it to me and the world can't take it away. Why? Because it's not based upon emotions or whether I feel happy. Joy is something entirely different. Galatians chapter 5 verse 22, it says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such there is no law. Notice those first three. It says that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, and peace. Woo, come on. Those three right there would cause you to want to sign up to be a child of God. Right? Because that's what everybody wants. I just want to find love. I just want to have some peace. I just want to find joy. And God says, that only comes through me. That only comes through having a relationship through me. You can only experience that if you have joy, or excuse me, if you're a child of God, you can experience that joy. Well, now let me ask you this. He compares it to fruit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, and peace. Now, I don't know if you've ever had any fruit trees in your yard, but the, the, the house that we bought several years back had a lot of fruit trees. Had pears, peaches, apples, 
and now all we have is a pear tree. I don't know if that's due to me not taking care of it or what, but we don't have any fruit trees other than pear trees. And if you ever try to eat one of those pear trees, I mean, they're like as hard as a rock. They're, they're hard to, I mean, they're just not really any good to eat. But one of the things that I found out concerning those fruit trees that I had, in order for them to produce good fruit, I had to be a steward of that fruit. Because it would produce fruit every year. But depending on what kind of fruit it produced and the quality of it was dependent on whether or not I would steward those trees as somebody that was the possessor of fruit. Now, let me give you a couple different examples here. Now, I don't know if you've ever saw these kind of apples or examples for that matter in terms of being out in, a, in, a, in an orchard. But there is fruit that you'll see on the, the limb and even those that are beside the tree. And they got bites all over them. They're kind of looking pretty rough. Well, it's fruit. But it's in rough shape, isn't it? Something got to it. And then there's these other fruits. You see that? Can you see it crawling out of there? That's a worm. See, every year I would have apples that would come on my tree and they would look good to the outside, but there would be these little dots and little dimples in the, in the, in the apple itself. And if you didn't steward that tree at the beginning of the season before they bloomed, there would be worms that would crawl up and get into the blossom and there would always be a worm on the inside. It didn't matter how good it looked on the inside or on the outside. There would always be a worm or two. And it's actually pretty good because you'd get your fruit intake and you'd get your protein all together. So <laughs> it's two for one. I sold them for a little bit higher price. You know, I got a little bit more money in protein. But then there was, then there's the other ones that, man, they're just so well taken care of. They're so good looking. They're nice to the look. They're nice to eat. Why? Because somebody took the time to, to be a good steward of the fruit that they had. Are you hearing me this morning? Now, here's the thing. As believers, and this is the sad story, the sad truth of we the church. So many people come into church with their lip dragon. You think they're chewing tobacco. It's just that they've got gravel in their lip because they were dragging it as they were coming in. Like, how you doing? Oh, doing okay. How's life? Well, getting by. I mean, it is, it depresses you talking to some people. And these are people of God. People that have asked Jesus into their heart. And it's just like, why are you having such a difficult time? Because they don't know what they have. Are you familiar with the story that Jesus talked about, the parable of the sower of the seed? He says, the sower sowed the seed, and the seed fell on different grounds. And he says, they all received the seed with gladness. They were all excited. And now, later on, his disciples says, we don't understand that story you were telling us. And he says, now listen, here's what I meant by that. The seed really represents the Word of God. And he says, and every time the Word of God is given... People receive it with gladness in their heart. 
He said, but here's the thing. The moment that the seed starts to produce in their heart and they have gladness, he says, birds start to come. Or really the enemy comes to steal that seed or that word from your heart. Now, it went in your heart, but the fruit started getting all eaten up. And then he says, there are those that receive the word, but the seed was sown on stony ground. And therefore, it got trampled underfoot. And these are the people that allow the cares of life to come in. And allow those that would come in and persecute them. And as a result, they lose the fruit. It's there, but they lose it. And he said, and then there are those that when the seed is sown or planted, it's planted where there's weeds and the weeds choke it out. He said, these are the people that allow the cares of life to choke out the life of God's word. And as a result, nobody produces fruit. Nobody has anything to show for it. But notice he says, everybody received it. This is really a picture of the church. People come to church and say, I'm a Christian. Yep, you are. And because you're a Christian, God said, you've got joy on the inside. But because church isn't a priority, because you don't learn how to steward the joy on the inside, many times the body of Christ lives like everybody else going through the muck and the mud of life. And God says, you don't have to. He didn't say you were not, you're not going to go through some difficult, challenging times. He said, but you don't have to go through the muck and the mire of life because you've got fruit on the inside and it's joy. But if we never learn how to steward it, all we do is experience what everybody else does, wishing and hoping that we could find that gratification in our life. But then Jesus said there is the fourth soil. And he says these received it with gladness. And he said there are those that produce fruit some 30, 60, 100 fold in the return that they received. So that tells me that there are people that come to church consistently, some more than others, and some start producing fruit in their lives. And I'm, I'm seeing God increase me in my life, and 30%, man, life is good. My joy is growing. And then there's those that have 60. I'm like, wow, I've learned how to steward this a little bit better. And man, I'm experiencing joy and peace and love in my life. And then there are those that really purpose to, to be stewards. And man, they're living on the mountaintop. Man, I'm, I'm seeing God move mountains. And God, you're so good in my life. But what that also tells me, that if there's specific groups that will let the cares of life choke them out, Specific groups that will allow the enemy to come in and steal from them. Certain groups of people that will allow persecutions to pull them away. And yet there is a group of people that will grow consistently. That tells me if I'm hanging around the right group consistently enough, long enough, that those that are in different places that I'm at, it'll rub off on me. So I might only be 20% right now. 
But if I start hanging around with somebody that's 30%, their joy is up here, they might irritate the snot out of you. Like, why are you always happy? Why are you always smiling? Never have nothing negative to say. Start hanging around them, you might, whoo, feeling a little bit happier. My wife, she, she makes me happy. Being around her, she makes me a nicer person. Kids would probably beg to differ, but. <laughs> are you hearing what I'm saying? There are people in relationships that God has ordained within the church to help you learn how to steward life to go to the next level, to go to the next place, to go where you desire to be. Now, babe, why don't you come up here for a minute? You're going to be my guinea pig. Now, here's the thing. Turn on here. Everybody, see, we make a nice couple, don't we? All right, so she's got a bundle of bananas. She's got an apple here. This one will pretend that it doesn't have a worm in it. So it's all good. And she's got this fruit in her hands. And this fruit is love. This fruit is peace. This fruit is joy. And she comes to me, whining. Wish I had some joy. I wish I had some peace. But she's got it. I wish I just could feel better in my life. Well, you've you've got it in your hands. It's yours. It belongs to you. The only reason why we as believers struggle with life to the degree that we do. Now, please don't misunderstand. There are hiccups in, in life. Everybody experiences it. But the Bible says that it's there to help you grow in faith and trust God even more. But we got it. It's ours. And we keep waiting for something to happen when God says, steward what you have. Steward what I've given you. Amen. You want to take that back with you? All right. Now, I'm going to close with this thought. Today was really foundational for the things that we're going to talk about in the next couple weeks of meeting the stewards. How is it that you steward your life? How is it that you steward the joy in your life? Remember the Bible says this. It says, the joy of the Lord is my strength. The joy of the Lord is my strength. But in Psalms chapter 8, it says this. It says that God has ordained strength from my mouth. So how do I steward my life in every area? I steward this thing right here. If I don't learn how to control this thing right here, the rest of my life will go away according to the words in which I speak. Let the weak say I'm weak. Is that what the scripture says? No, the Bible says let the weak say I'm strong. Why? Well, I feel weak. Yeah, but God says, let your words hook up with the fruit that's on the inside. And you begin to declare and say, I'm strong. And you'll find that your words 
will dictate and begin to determine the direction of your life. And we're going to see things change as a result of becoming a family of stewards. So before you leave today, why don't you shake somebody's hand and meet the stewards. Amen. Let's stand. With every head bowed and every eye closed. I simply want you to begin to examine this next week. This is your homework assignment. Be mindful of the thoughts. And be mindful of the words that come behind those thoughts. In fact, I'd even challenge you. Keep a diary this week of all the negative things that you say and all the positive things you say. If you'll do it, I bet you'll anything that you'll find that the words of your mouth are more negative than, than they are positive. You can make the choice to steward the words out of your own mouth. Just as you're in the presence of God right now, just contemplating your own personal life, I just want to share this with you. My, my daughter came home this past week, and she's been having some challenges with some of the schoolmates, and one girl in particular. And this one particular girl is always negative and is always stirring up strife and stirring up all kinds of trouble amongst the other students. And so I said to her, I said, you got to realize that hurting people hurt people. I said, she's simply deflecting. And there's something that's going on in that little girl's life. She's really unhappy. And therefore, she's trying to make everybody else unhappy. I said, you don't know what's going on in that little girl's life. I said, but here's one thing that I do know about you. That is, is that you're the righteousness of God through Christ Jesus. So that means that you're the apple of God's eye. It doesn't matter what this one says about you or that girl or that girl. You're God's chosen. God loves you. And therefore, because God loves you and you know how special you are, you can go there and love on that little girl. And I said, in fact, why don't you say this? The next time she's mean and ugly, you can just simply say to her, listen, I realize something's going on. And you're wanting to be mean, but I want you to know I'll be your friend. And it doesn't matter how ugly you are to me, I'll choose to love you in spite of it. And I said, you can do that because you know who you are. And you can make a choice to steward your own life. Amen. I'm going to pray and then we're just going to worship God one last time before we go. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you right now. Those that are here today, those that, that may listen online, God, I pray right now that you will arrest our thought life, that you will cause us to be aware of where we allow our thought life to go and to arrest it immediately, to pull it out of the gutter, to pull it out of that dark place and begin to choose to believe what you say about us. 
and therefore we'll choose to engage the fruit of joy and peace and love on the inside. And therefore, because we realize who we are and what we have, we can say with all confidence and boldness, let the weak say I'm strong. That strength is ordained from my mouth. And therefore, I choose to have joy. And I thank you, Lord, that joy is bubbling up from the inside because fruit remains and the fruit of joy is on the inside. And so, God, I thank you that our, I partake of the fruit of joy, peace, and love right now in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. to this podcast and take a look at all of our social media sites which can be found at our website gvchurch.tv we know that today's message has been a blessing to you thanks for listening we are genesee valley church loving god loving people and loving life